Before I read the scripture this evening, a, a few words of, of introduction. Uh, as many, if not all of you know, my particular interest in God's creation is, is trees. And uh, very often in sermons, I will, I will reference trees. Uh, but uh, tonight, I mean, this is a real tree sermon. You're going to get a lot of trees this evening. And, uh, you know, do you have any tree stories uh, from, uh, from this summer, as you, uh, as you think about this summer? Uh, earlier this summer, I was uh, privileged to stand next to trees that probably were there when Ben Franklin walked by and our founding fathers. Uh, the Boston Commons, it's a park in downtown Boston, and uh, it's so, so funny, you know, all the tourists are there, and I'm running up to big trees telling my wife, get a picture of me, a tree. Um, I went with our uh, youth group, uh, Lombard CRC, to Colorado, and I saw the, the tall, narrow, ponderosa pine trees uh, in, in Colorado. Uh, we went to Door County for a couple days. I'd never been to Door County before, and uh, hiked a beautiful hike in Peninsula State Park there near uh, Ephraim on the, on the Green Bay side. Uh, just beautiful. Uh, but my best tree story of the summer... This is really good. So, I'm at Lombard CRC preaching one Sunday morning this summer. I'm giving the sermon, has nothing to do with trees, and I, I'm preaching, and in the middle of the sermon, I read a scripture passage. It's not part of the text of the message, it's just a, a supporting passage. I read this, uh, the, this uh, Bible verse, and it just happens that there's a tree mentioned in the verse. So I'm reading the verse, I read the tree, I pause, and I say, this is my little shout-out to trees. And then I go on and finish the verse, and I finish the sermon. No other mention of trees in the sermon, just, just that. Um, after, the, after the service, this woman came up to me, oh, all excited about my interest in trees. I mean, I had said one sentence. Um, I found out later... Uh, that this woman was not a Christian, and uh, she listened to this, to this message with open ears and uh, really absorbed it. And part of the reason why is because I just mentioned trees in one sentence. And so you never know uh, how God is going to work, uh, even with sentences that you may speak. And so... Uh, my best tree story of the, the summer is, is not actually seeing a tree. It's just seeing how God used a sentence to hopefully plant a seed, a tree seed, in, in somebody's heart. Trees point to God. Yes, trees point to the sky, but they point much higher to the sky. And so let's uh, now turn our attention to God's word. Um, I've chosen a text from Isaiah, uh, one of the uh, prince prophets, major prophets of the Old Testament, and also Isaiah is the prophet, out of all the prophets, that knows the most about trees. Okay? As I have read the prophets, Isaiah men mentions different species of trees more than any other prophet. Did you know this? This is interesting. You know, Isaiah, and you could also say about animals too. Isaiah really talks about different uh, species of animals as well. So he was into the uh, outdoors. 
So Isaiah chapter 44, and I have uh, picked uh, various verses from this chapter. Hear the word of the Lord. But now listen, Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. This is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the womb, and who will help you. Do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant. Jeshurun, a synonym for Israel, Jacob, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They will, be, they will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees flowing by streams. Some will say, I belong to the Lord. Others will call themselves by the name of Jacob. Still others will write on their hand, the Lord's, and will take the name Israel. Skipping to verse 14. He will cut down cedars or perhaps took a cypress or oak. He let it grow among the trees of the forest or planted a pine, and the rain made it grow. It is used as fuel for burning. Some of it he takes and warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes bread, but he also fashions a god and worships it. He makes an idol and bows down to it. An example here of people using trees for the wrong purpose. And then verse 21. Remember those things, Jacob, for you, Israel, are my servant. I have made you, you are my servant, Israel, I will not forget you. I have swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Sing for joy, you heavens, for the Lord has done this. Shout aloud, you earth beneath, Burst into song, you mountains, you forests, and all your trees. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob. He displays his glory in Israel. The word of the Lord. Trees point to God. The three points of this message are going to be joy, peace, and love. And how God uses forest or trees to point us in the direction that God wants to to bring joy, bring peace, and bring love to his people. Very good. So the first point is trees praise God. They praise God. There's an element of of joy here. Um, This is a passage uh, that I just read. And uh, burst into song, you mountains, you forests, and all your trees. Another passage in Isaiah, and I'm going to read this verse, and many of you, this will be familiar to you. Isaiah 55, 12. We sing this. You will go out with joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. I guess the question is, how do trees praise God? You know, there are some people in our world today that say, There is spirit force within trees. And so they are, I mean, literally, tree huggers. I don't know if you've seen this. I've seen people have their quiet time, and they're literally hugging a tree, expecting to get spiritual force uh, from this tree. 
this is, this is not what God's word says. God has created trees, and he's created trees to point to him. So when we look at trees or other aspects of God's creation, we look at this, and then we are reminded of who is beyond this existence. It is almighty God. Just thinking about God's engineering skill, when you think of these mighty trees and how water is down below, and this water is just pumped up, these tall, tall trees into the leaves. What an amazing God we have. When we look at the the beauty and the spread of the trees, it is reminding us that our God has a sense of beauty. He is a God of, of love. He is a God of creative power. And so as we look at the trees, we are filled with joy and a deeper respect of of God's character and the kind of God he is as we look at his creation. And so uh, just just before the service, I was talking to somebody about uh, his trip to Alaska. He said, I'd walk outside and, and just look at the scenery, and his heart was lifted to the heavenlies, to God, the creator, uh, by the scene. And uh, so here's a picture of, uh, of trees and uh, then the mountains and the sky in the distance. And uh, we look at this and we say, hallelujah, our God is great. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, for myself personally, if uh, I'm uh, struggling with something, uh, what helps me is, is to go for a walk uh, to be among the trees, and, and as I see them, I will say this, the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. And I will say this outside among the trees, and this is, this is worship of God. And uh, God ministers uh, his joy back into my life if, if this is uh, something that I need at that time. So, uh, trees, praise God, uh, joy. Second, Uh, Trees reflect God's saving power. God's saving power. We have peace with God. And uh, trees can reflect this. So, excuse me, right here. Uh, Isaiah 44, 23, the end of that passage, for the Lord has redeemed Jacob. He displays his glory in Israel. The Lord has saved his people. Redeemed Jacob means he saved, he has saved his people. Uh, another passage, Isaiah 11, 1 to 2. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. This passage is saying a shoot will come up from a stump. Now, at your home, have you ever cut something down and then it's grown back? Yes? Besides a weed. I mean, we do that all the time. The weed and the weed grows back. But, uh, um, well, I have a weedy tree in the back, a mulberry tree. Cut it down. Oh, it just grows right back. Now, when Isaiah talked about the stump, uh, most likely he was re- referencing an olive tree. 
And so this is a picture of an olive grove. Um, olives were a valuable commodity in Israel. Um, if you had a grove of olive trees, this was a, a prosperity uh, for your family because there are a lot of uses for olives. Now, when an olive, an olive tree could live to be thousands of years old. Uh, when I was in Israel, they said some of these trees could have been here when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. I mean, very old. The problem is, when an olive tree gets too old, it's just not bearing fruit like it did in its younger years. You know, so you go and you, you cut down the olive tree, and there is a stump, so it looks dead. But it's not dead. Its roots are very much alive. And uh, next spring you go and you, you see a little shoot coming up from, this, from the stump. So what appeared dead is not really dead. I didn't find the best uh, picture, uh, but uh, on, the, on the left side you'll see a shoot coming up from the stump. I mean, that, oh boy, I, I wonder how old that olive tree is. It's amazing. Uh, but there's a uh, the shoot on the left side just coming up uh, right from the stump. Uh, now, if Isaiah lived in western United States, maybe God would have directed him to use a different illustration than an olive tree. Okay? Um, this is a, a photo of lodgepole pine. Uh, acres and acres of this. Um, Yellowstone National Park, the uh, Grand Teton National Park out west, it's just, you know, lodgepole uh, pine forests. Well, in 1988, uh, Yellowstone suffered their worst forest fires in modern history. Now, the reason, I, the reason why I bring this up is I happened to be there in 1988. You know, I was working in Grand Teton National Park just south of Yellowstone, uh, we climbed a mountain one day, and we looked into Yellowstone. We could just see all of the smoke coming up from this national park and hundreds of acres uh, that were being burned. Um, at the end of the summer, uh, I was with a Christian ministry in the national parks, so I would preach to tourists and employees on, on uh, Sunday, and then they gave me a job in the resort there at uh, Jackson Lake Lodge. Um, at the end of that assignment, they had reopened the roads to Yellowstone, and uh, I remember driving through, and everything was charred. The ground was charred. The trees were charred. There were still firefighters doing kind of mop-up and making sure that you know, nothing would restart again. Now, this picture is a picture of a burnt forest. You can see it's about a year later, and some green has started uh, to grow back. Um, in the picture... The forest is dead. It's gone. It, the forest is done. I, I see no forest. Okay, some grass. So what? Okay, the forest is done. But what's interesting about the lodgepole pine is the cones of the lodgepole pine, the cones will only open and release seeds when exposed to extreme heat. It's the only time. And not, we're not talking sun heat. We're talking fire heat. So when that fire was wiping out the hundreds of acres in Yellowstone, what also was happening? You couldn't really see it, but it was happening. The cones of the lodgepole pine were opening, and the seeds were being deposited 
into the soil. And so here you can see the forest beginning to regrow. So the stump, the burnt forest, it is a symbol of God's judgment on sin. And on first inspection, it looks completely dead. But God is a God of hope. The forest will regrow, and from that stump, a shoot will come. You know, when you, when you think about this, when Jerusalem was destroyed by Babylon in 586 B.C., what did people think back then? Well, they thought Israel was done. It had, Israel had come to an end. The nation had died. They had no capital city. They had no land. They were uh, um, sent into exile, into a foreign land, done. Where are the Ammonites? Where are the Moabites? Where are the Philistines? Where are all of these other people groups? They, along with the Israelites, were conquered, sent into exile, and done. Many of the, the Jewish people back then thought, our nation is done. Jerusalem is done, and we are done. But what did God's prophets say? They said, a shoot will come from the stump. God will still keep his promise to David. God will not reject David's dynasty. A shoot will come from the stump. And through the line of David, God sends his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is that shoot. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't merely resurrect the nation of Israel. He comes to expand God's kingdom, not to a a geographic location and to a particular people group, but Jesus comes to expand God's kingdom to what? To the world, regardless of, of national boundary or language or ethnic group or race, God's plan of the shoot from the stump of Israel was to bless the entire world, to bring hope not to just to people, but to bring hope to the world. And this is what is going on with a shoot will come from the stump. The fruit of Jesus' death and resurrection continues to this day To offer what? To offer people peace with God. Peace with God. Do you know this peace with God? Through the Lord Jesus Christ. And third, trees symbolize God's blessing. And for this, I'd like us to think about God's love his blessing, and his love. Now, this is going to sound odd to you, but this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I see you're all impressed as you read that. Uh, Actually, this is my own uh, trivia question. I'm sharing this with you now. What verse in the Bible lists the most species of trees in one verse? Okay, And how many species does it list? I mean, you're only going to find this verse in Isaiah. Okay, Because he knows his trees. And God uses Isaiah's knowledge 
about trees, to prophesy, and to bring hope. Uh, so that we have seven species listed here. Uh, the myrtle, it's a, it's a shrub, but it can be a small tree, so we'll, we'll give it, you know, say a tree. Um, I will put in the desert, and then it lists in the trees. What are the two greatest needs for a desert traveler? Traveling in the desert, two greatest needs, shade and water. Okay, shade and water. If you think about it, the only reason why Phoenix exists is because they invented air conditioning and they found out a way to get good water there, right? You know, this is in the desert, you know? So they figure out, okay, how can we make it livable? So back then, uh, no air conditioning. What was the air conditioning back then? Shade. Ah, shade, okay? Shade and water. And uh, so, you know, would you like to build your home here and just and live here? No, this is not a nice place to live in the middle of the desert. And uh, so uh, here is one of the few majestic cedars of Lebanon, actually from Lebanon. These used to be forests and forests in Lebanon. Most of them have been uh, cut down and harvested now. Uh, but so uh, one of the greatest trees back then, um, this is the acacia tree. Typically, you think of this in the African savanna. You know, you'll see those uh, acacia, acacia trees. Uh, this is a picture of myrtle, olive, uh, fir or pine tree, and a cypress tree. Uh, what is the point of this verse? If you're going to have a, if God's going to plant a forest in the desert, then it's no longer a desert, meaning it's now a nice place to live. This is God's blessing. He wants to prosper his people. They feel like they're living in the desert, but God says, I will bless you, so it's like you're living in a forest, in a beautiful uh, place uh, to live. So uh, Isaiah 41, 19 is a verse of hope. And uh, how is that hope communicated? through landscape filled with trees. Uh, Isaiah 44, uh, verses uh, 3 and 4. I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit and your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees flowing by streams. So here's a, a picture of uh, some poplar trees. Uh, years ago, when the pioneers were settling out west, they had their wagons, they're going out west, okay, on the prairie. As they looked ahead, if they saw cottonwood trees, this was yes. Because they knew cottonwood trees, which are related to poplars, they knew cottonwood trees grew by a nice source of water. So they would head their wagons toward the cottonwood trees, and there they would find water, they would set up camp, and this was a good place uh, to be for a while after the harsh travel of the U.S. Uh, prairie. Similar type of thing going on in, in uh, the scripture passage here. Uh, poplar trees, they knew, flowed by streams, and that was a good place to live. What is it saying? When you think about poplar trees and streams... Think about this prophetic promise. God says, I will pour out my spirit 
on all people. Your prosperity is not going to be the financial prosperity. I know this affects you a lot, humans, but really I have something much better for you. And this is my spirit that I will give you. So no longer are you going to say, where is God? Well, he's over there. He's in the temple at Jerusalem. We will go up to worship the Lord now. No, I will pour out my spirit upon you. God will no longer be distant through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice once and for all. God is with us. Wherever we go, he is with us. It is like we are living the life next to streams and trees. This is beautiful and wonderful. It is God's blessing in our lives. It is the Spirit of God. It is God with us. After uh, Jesus' baptism and temptation in the wilderness, uh, he came out and he went to a town. Began with the letter N, his, his boyhood home, the town of, of Nazareth. And uh, as a good uh, Jewish man, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath. He was visiting teacher or so, and so uh, the scroll of Isaiah was handed to Jesus. And in that synagogue, Jesus uh, unrolled the scroll, and he read from, Saul, uh, from Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. Uh, this is in Isaiah, and then, of course, it's in the New Testament because it quotes Jesus' reading here. So here is Jesus. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Jesus is the fulfillment of this prophecy, right? To proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up uh, the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Now, from all we know from the Bible passage, this is where Jesus stopped reading. And it was, uh, he said, this passage has been fulfilled and uh, people did not like this and uh, many people in Nazareth rejected Jesus, right? Isaiah 61, verse 3. And this is the passage we're going to end with this evening, okay? Isaiah 61, 3, the very next passage. Oh, this is good. There we are. Very next verse. To comfort all who mourn and, still talking about Jesus, provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. My friends, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the one that brings what trees are symbolizing in Isaiah. He is the one that that brings joy. He is the one that brings peace with God. The Lord Jesus is the one that brings God's love personally into our lives and showers us 
with every spiritual blessing that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. What is your identity? Our identity is a child of God. We could phrase this other ways as well. What does this passage say? It says there... Uh, They will be, there we are. Okay, they will be called oaks of righteousness. Who are you in Jesus? You are an oak of righteousness. Now, the Illinois state tree is an oak. And here's a, a picture of an oak from the Wharton Arboretum. And uh, an oak is one of the, the grandest of trees. Uh, why? It has one of the biggest spreads of a tree going this way. Uh, it lives to be a very, very old tree, longevity. And uh, in Illinois in particular, you know, when we had prairie fires that would happen back in the day, uh, it wouldn't touch the oak. The oak's bark, its strength, the oak would stay strong in any trial or adversity. The oak, back, even back in uh, Isaiah's time, Jesus' time, the oak was considered one of the grandest of trees. And in Jesus Christ, you are not a scrawny shrub. You are not a tree that had been, has been attacked by Japanese beetles and has lost its leaves. You are not a withering thing. In the Lord Jesus Christ, my friends, you are an oak of righteousness. And may we all live in that truth this week. Amen. Let's pray.